Welcome to the Heroic Minds Podcast, where we uncover the heroic stories of individuals battling through adversity and rising to the top of professional sport, business, and life. Uncovering the characteristics, the secrets, the tactics to become the hero of your own story. Because it is adversity that maximizes human potential. Welcome back to Heroic Minds. I want to start off with saying thank you to all the subscribers and all the people listening to these podcasts. It's really cool to receive emails from people that are listening to these stories for you know validation of, of the message I'm trying to send and what I'm trying to do with this Heroic Minds project. So continue to send those emails in if you have any comments at all, requests or things you'd like to discuss or potential guests on the podcast please reach out. The email is ben at heroicminds.live. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Today's guest, incredible. Not only did she overcome one big feat or one big mountain of adversity, but actually two. And at two different times and after both events or situations, she got back to doing what she loved to do, which is swim and compete in the pool. So first it was epilepsy that she went through and then it was bipolar disorder and again she got back into the pool and ended up swimming the best she ever had after going through both of those situations before i introduce our guest i just want to go over briefly what epilepsy and bipolar disorder is so epilepsy is the unprovoked occurrence of seizures sometimes it's there's a diagnosis of why and many times there is no real causation that doctors at a certain time could can understand. That's a situation we'll talk about today. The next topic is bipolar disorder. And what bipolar disorder is, is the manic depressive illness. And what it does is it causes unusual shifts in mood, energy, activity levels, and can affect the ability to carry out day-to-day tasks. Our guest today went through that, managed to control it. We hear how she did that. And then we get into the triumphant ending of her now moving, well, getting back to swimming and having two of her best years of competing at LaSalle University in in Philadelphia, D1 University. And then we move into her goals now, which is she wants to become a lawyer, which is, again, from where she was and what she went through to have overcome everything and now have the goal of being a lawyer, I think I would hire her because I think I would want that resilience and adaptability on my side. Without further ado, our guest today is Julia Mann from Winnipeg, Manitoba, a competitive swimmer, an unbelievable young woman, and soon-to-be lawyer. So let's get to this story. Julia, thank you so much for being here. Let's start from the early ages of your life and, and where you were leading up to when your first um, confrontation with adversity struck. So were sports a big part of your life? Was schooling most important? Um, so from the very beginning, I was um, interested in swimming. I started when I was probably about eight swimming um, competitively. And that took up a lot of... Um, my childhood and I yeah starting in grade six I started swimming um in in the morning so that would have been training um eight times a week and so yeah I didn't swimming was pretty much what my childhood revolves around when you're that committed to sport and I 
I know what that's like with my commitment to hockey. Were there, were there other interests that you had growing up? Um, I was really, from a young age, I was really big into um, philanthropy. And as a kid, I did almost everything you could think of to raise money for charities. I would make bracelets, I would have popsicle stands, I would um, have bake sales, and then I would, for all of my birthdays, I would always invite the entire class um, so no one was left out, and then, <laughs> which my mother made me do, um, and I would, instead of gifts, I would ask for everyone to bring a donation, and I would donate it to a, um, like a, a cause that was... Um, very like meaningful at the time so a lot of the times when there was like a natural disaster that had just happened that's where I would uh, ask for the donations to be put towards so I didn't really I I played soccer a little bit I ran track a little bit um but as far as sports it was mostly swimming and I my hobbies were had a lot to do (laughs) with helping others wow so do you know what led you to that at such a young age? Is it because family was directed you there? I know you said your mom, you know, kind of obligated you into some of the de- decisions you made with your birthday party, making sure everyone was invited. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. my parents. Um, they would instead of giving us Christmas gifts, they would um, ask us to go through the World Vision catalog and pick something that we wanted as our Christmas gifts. So they influenced me to always give back and to um, do as much as you can for other people. Incredible. I've, I find that so interesting and, and a reason that I feel like connected to your integrity and courage that then I'm sure we're about to hear about. Let's move forward to grade seven. So you're in grade seven, you're swimming, competing. I assume swimming is going really well and starting to realize that this could be something that you maybe do long-term that maybe turns into something bigger. So I'll hand it over to you and you can tell the next steps and journey that you went through. Okay. So when I was in, um, grade eight, I started to have these episodes where I would, um, pass out or black out. And, um, it was normally related to exercise. So, it was tough because um, swimming, which I loved, was the cause for um, what later was diagnosed as seizures. Um, So I went through grade eight and grade nine, things started to get pretty tough. Um, I, grade 10, I spent quite a bit of time in the hospital and Um, that's when I was told I had to give swimming up because it was a trigger. And so I had to give swimming up and I was told that I would most likely never be able to get back to it. And so I, when I gave it up, I was like devastated because I didn't really know anything other than swimming. I didn't really know a life without swimming and, um, But yeah, so I had to start finding new hobbies. So I joined a bunch of the school like activities and school groups. And And but up until that point, when you say you were in the hospital, were you there for long periods of time? um, Were you in and out? No, I was there for about three weeks. Was the longest stay I was there for, just so they could 
monitor me and um, try and find medicines that worked. Wow, so you wouldn't leave the hospital for three weeks? You'd be going back and forth? No, I was in the hospital for that duration. And how did you keep up? Was school affected by that as well? Um, Yeah, I had a... I had friends that would come and bring homework to me, but I didn't really do a ton of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you probably had some other things on your plate to worry yeah, about. Yeah, they had the hospital had a uh, teacher that came in for half an hour every day and worked on um, some stuff with me, and really, I just had to kind of catch up when I got back to school. So then, after those three weeks, you went back to trying to let's say get into a normal routine. Yeah, and were the was there a change in your ability to do anything else besides push your body? Was Were there any other issues in your life because of the epilepsy? Um, I mean, it affected me socially because I was often scared to go to a lot of places um, that I wasn't comfortable with just in case something were to happen while I was there. And I became pretty self-conscious about it. Um, in that, you know, I was a teenager and just trying to fit in like every other teenager. And, and unfortunately that made me stand out. From this point, you, I mean, you were going on to say that you had to find new hobbies and whatnot. So at that point, it sounds like things were under control. So what, what was the, the change from those three weeks in the hospital to being able to get back to life? Um, How did they find that control or what was, did they figure out what the issue was or... Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, so, oh, they never really fully figured out the issue, honestly, but um, I was put on a new medicine that seemed to stable, stabilize everything, and so I got out of the hospital and, um, yeah, just started trying to find um, different things to do with my time because I didn't have swimming, um, I joined tons of school activities. Like I joined the curling team. I joined volleyball and I had no like coordination. So it was, I was always a part of every like losing team. Um, Sounds very I humble. Joined... I'm sure you, I'm sure you were a lot better than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. So I found, yeah, I found some, um, stuff like that and I started volunteering more and I volunteered at a, uh, inner city uh youth outreach program and yeah amazing and so at that point things were seem or sound like they were under control was there how did you cope with that change knowing that like at that point did you think at any time something could happen how did you find comfort in in the change of that part of your life um i mean that was what it was for the time being and i kind of just accepted that and started to live my life a little bit differently and make the best of the situation. Incredible. And then, so now fast forwarding even further from that, you end up getting back into the pool, back into swimming. Mm -hmm. Did you hop right back into the competitive mindset that I'm sure you have, or was it a slow process? What, I guess, how did you think that swimming was going to come back into your life? When did that point occur? So it was, I think it was around probably I don't know, some, somewhere in grade 11, 
Um, so from nine to eleven, you weren't. No, just for six months. Okay. Uh, or, or maybe it was eight months. I don't know. Um, and yeah, so I I slowly I was given the okay to go back, um, partially because I insisted and <laughs> didn't really care what the doctor said, and so wow. I started going back gradually. I would go I. For the first while, I swam just on Saturdays with my club team, and that gradually increased to every afternoon, and then I added mornings back in slowly. Um, and actually, when I came back to swimming, I had my best year of swimming ever. Wow. And so not, like, I was not <laughs> expecting that at all, um, and yeah, so then I guess things, um, as far as me continuing with swimming became more realistic. So when you got back into swimming, was the goal to be, have that kind of season? It wasn't, it was just to get back into a little bit of competition or. Yeah. I mean, I think I wanted to get back to where I was, but I didn't have any expectations. Do you think that was played a factor that you didn't have as much stress on yourself, which made. Probably. So now moving into grade 12, you had a great year before in grade 11. You realize university is the next year coming. What's your mindset going into grade 12? You overcame so much from grade 8 to 11, a great grade 11 year, and now you're hopping into grade 12. What's the mindset? So honestly, I didn't really have any um, expectations or goals to swim in university. Um and I ended up, um, there was a recruiter who helps to get people into American or Canadian schools. And he reached out to my parents and, um, that's when that kind of reality set in. I, at this point, most people in my year and my grade had already started their recruiting process. And I, so I started it really late. Um, and yeah, so it was going in, it was around fall of grade 12 where I started going, um, being contacted by schools and going on recruiting trips. And that's when that ball started rolling. So then you f- end up choosing a school, uh, LaSalle, uh, D1 NCAA school in Philadelphia. Yeah. And so that must've been an exciting feeling hopping into that did any fears of the past come into your mind or was that totally behind you at this point and you were ready to move away and really start giving your all to this um four potentially four year long swimming career yeah I really tried to put that part of my life behind me and start a new chapter um being healthy and just looking forward so then how did that go? Your first year at school, what was that experience like? Um, I was very homesick. I threatened to go home to my parents many times and to my coach. Um, but I stuck it out. And by second semester, I loved it. And I didn't want to come home in the <laughs> summers. Wow, nice. That's a good change of pace. Yeah. So, and how did that first year go for you swimming-wise? Um, it was a really good year. It was, uh, it was probably, yeah, it was my best year yet. 
Um, so even better than my grade 11 year. And I had to learn how to swim um, in yards and get used to some different things about American swimming. <laughs> but um, I, I really enjoyed it and I really felt like I, I succeeded both in and out of the pool. Awesome. So school was going well too then. Mm -hmm. And were your parents flying out or coming out to see you at all during this time? Or is that a reason that homesickness was um, a late effect? My mom came out halfway through the season for our invitational meet and for American uh, Thanksgiving. And then I went home at Christmas and that was it. Cool. So then moving into year two, you now had an awesome first year university, both academically and sports with sports. Um, what was year two like? Um, so going into my second year, um, swimming wasn't as good as it was my first year. I was a little bit down on myself because of that. Um, and as the year progressed, I, I kind of began to struggle a little bit. And I made it to after conference, which was our championship meet in February, and about end of February, beginning of March-ish, I actually ended up having to come home to Winnipeg. And I moved back home and I finished my semester from home. And I didn't have any intentions at the time to uh, go back. I was starting to look into ways I could finish my um, schooling, my degree from home. And yes, that's when I moved back home. So what ha- what was the change there that forced you to, you know, sc- so was school not going as well either at that point? Um, I think it was, there was a lot of demons in the closet and they all kind of started coming out and was finding like myself very depressed, very anxious and having a really hard time to do like everyday things and, um, was struggling to the extent that I could not be away from home and I needed my family's support. So that's when I came home in February and um, did I finished my semester from home and um, I was hospitalized while I was at home and um, treated and diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. And once I was treated for that, um, things became much better and way more manageable. And yeah, I, I now had, you know, I, I had first told my coach that, yeah, like, no, I wasn't coming back. And then, you know, a few months later I said, I'm, I'm coming back. <laughs> so, okay. But backing up a little bit, when you decided you had to in February when you had to leave, whose decision was that? Was that you having the maturity? And and really, I'd say that time in all of our lives, we're not the most probably mature yet or understanding of how the whole world works in our second year university. Who was the one that convinced you or was it yourself that decided I need to go to where I can take care of myself? Because it's hard to separate yourself from sport or Mm -hmm. from things you care about that's just the way I guess society has kind of obligated us is we don't always put ourselves first. So what was it that guided you to make that decision? You know, it's time to go home and take care of me. Um, it was my coach. Um, 
his name's Jamie Platt, and he's like always been my biggest supporter. And he he, as much as I hate to admit it, always knows what's best. And still, being now being graduated, he's still the person I call when I'm having a meltdown <laughs> from across the country or from another country. And you know, he, so I, he's still my first call whenever something's going wrong. I think that's so powerful because having a sport background and having, you know, I went through anxiety and I'm not trying to draw parallels to bipolar disorder, but mental health topic today, something that I found is so powerful is when the coach is on your side, when you don't have that separation relationship that you usually do, where it's, you only see the coach when the puck's dropped or the whistle goes or the race starts, Um, having that relationship in this conversation of mental health and, and when mental well-being, I think is super important. And your story obviously aligns with that very tightly. That that relationship with your coach gave you the um, comfort and ability to say, "Okay, I'm able to you know separate myself from sport for a little, take care of myself." I think that's that's unbelievable. From being diagnosed with bipolar disorder to finding out how to deal with it, what was the process in there? Was that all figured out? in a short period of time? Was it figured out in the hospital or was it a a long-term? No, it was pretty long-term. I, after I was discharged from the hospital, I started a six-week, very intensive therapy program. It was all day, every day for seven hours. Um, I did that and I learned a lot of coping skills and um, things that could help me and it was yeah I then kind of finished that and just started to go back to living my life as normally as possible and I as soon as I got back up on my feet I knew that I wanted to go back and even though you know my dad had called and said I wasn't coming back but then I decided to come back just because I mean (laughs) It was the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So when during that time off, was there communication with teammates, friends? Was there, or did you did you keep things to yourself? Did you decide to share it? Where were the support systems in place? Because I assume there must have been something there. Was it just family? Um, no, I I did keep in contact with um, some of my friends back in Philadelphia, but it I was definitely it was uh, a pretty contained situation. Um, I had a lot of support here. My, a teacher from high school actually, who was, um, like my support system through, um, my seizures and everything. She continued to be like my rock while I was home. Um, and actually last few summers ago, we got matching tattoos the the semicolon which is the uh it's a mental health awareness tattoo like saying that you know just because there's a pause in your story doesn't mean it's over yet so yeah that her name was mandy is mandy green and she um was very very influential in me kind of climbing back up again and along of course my parents and um still like my my coach Jamie was really involved even though he was back in Philadelphia that's awesome so you had the 
teacher from high school, you had the family, plus you had your coach back in mm-hmm. school. So you had almost a three yeah. trifecta of support that really made a big difference. That's a key thing, I think, in, in, with mental health today is that you need that team of support. And the more you share and the more people that know what you're going through, again, the more help that you'll have and the bigger, you know, power in numbers is a way I like to put it. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting back to school starting year three of university. And you, looking back, you've overcome and found control of epilepsy. You've overcome and found control over your mental health and mental well-being. You're now, it seems like to me, the word is unstoppable. Like, it's just incredible. So you're starting year three. What's your mindset going into year three of university? Um, I was, I was hesitant. Um, I just, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know um, how it was going to be being away from home without the constant support of my family. So I, I just kind of took a chance and went back and was so glad that I did because I had, you know, I had my, my family away from my family um, with my friends and my teammates and my coaches um, who really, really helped me. So did you have any inspiration or individuals that you looked up to outside of who you already talked about which were a big part of your 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 journey were there individuals at all or things that you turned to away from just people were there hobbies or anything at all that that helped you cope or helped you overcome clara hughes who's um an olympic athlete in winter and summer olympics um she has done a lot with uh, mental illness and depression and um, is an advocate for that. And actually my, yeah, that year I got a book in the mail with um, uh, a message from her and uh, received that when I was in Philadelphia. So that was something that really stuck with me and that um, kind of gave me, I guess, inspiration. Cool. I find a lot of people that have been through mental health uh, issues or adversity then turn around and try to support others because it's something that so many people don't understand. That's something special. Now you finish your four years of university. You've overcome so much. You're now out in to the, I think they call it the real world, and I think they call it being an adult. I'm not quite sure. I don't think I'm quite there yet. So now what are your goals in life? What are you doing today? Um, so my goals, um, I eventually want to be a lawyer. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I took a year off after my undergrad to, um, travel and figure my life out and work a little bit. Um, so I did a bunch of traveling, um, and then, um, now, currently, I am working at a law firm, getting some experience, and I will be starting my master's in political science in the fall. Cool. I'd love to be able to do that, but I've got a little bit more schooling to finish up and a little bit uh, things to get in line before I go for that, but that's amazing. I wish you the best with that. So are you still volunteering still? Because, uh, I mean, as a, or maybe you, got, you did enough volunteering, it sounds like, as a yeah. young individual that you've done your dues for at least another few years. Is that still a big part of your life? Um, I, I did when I was um, 
in school I did in university I did a lot of volunteering still this year um, I have been tutoring um, just in the evenings I've been um, helping out um, some middle school and high school students with their schoolwork cool do you still swim no 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 I have not touched the water since conference my senior year wow do you miss it at all um I miss I miss the people. Um, I think pretty much every swimmer can relate to me when I say, by the time you finish your four years in university, you are pretty burnt out and you're pretty done with it. That's a, a, interesting because I with hockey, it's kind of the same thing. When people ask me now that I've moved on from playing, do you miss the game? And I give the exact same answer: is I miss the the camaraderie and I miss yeah. the the individuals I was lucky enough to be able to play with, but. You know, the expectation, the stress, the time commitment. Once you find yourself away from the game and the other interests and, and hobbies or things that you never really opened your mind to, once you see those, mm-hmm. you almost don't look back as much on the... Yeah. On the, that's, I'm glad you were on the same page. It makes me feel good about my mindset <laughs> with, when people say, oh, you don't miss it? And I'm like, well, you know, I miss the, exa- the same things you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those that know me uh, outside of... Heroic Minds know that I am a huge dog, cat, animal advocate, animal person. I love animals. So can you explain to everyone who this beautiful uh, boy is beside us here? Okay, so this is Finn. Um, He is um, a dog that I got my senior year who... He's a service dog, but just like any other dog... um, their main purpose in life is just to love you unconditionally and that's what he's done for me he's just stuck by my side through a lot of tough times awesome so the i i love him i can't stop petting him uh to conclude i want to sum up one quote that i heard that i think is unbelievable and something we can all really take note of and your story says it over and over again and that is that a pause doesn't mean it's over and I think there's so many of us in life today that as soon as something goes wrong or as soon as the business doesn't start up right away or we don't succeed right away and there's that pause in time and for you that pause was actually not just a pause in time but a ton of adversity that you had to go through but with the support system you had in place and the willingness to keep moving forward even if you know, on the track of, of swimming or on the business track, maybe you're not actually moving forward, but with your mindset and the people around you and the recovery process, as long as you have that will, you really are continuing to move forward. And I think um, that's a huge message today. A pause doesn't mean it's over. Julia, thank you so much. I look forward to hearing how your academic career continues to go. I wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thank you.